Blog Talk Radio. Hey, this is Zach Efron, and you're listening to The Stupid Cancer Show. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <laughs> Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adult cancer. I'm Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Lisa Bernhardt, 16-year young adult breast cancer survivor, and we're your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world. One chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show is all about the free patient websites provided by the nonprofit Caring Bridge. Founder and CEO of Caring Bridge, Sona Merring, is with us, as is Nicholas Rivetuso. He's a two-time young adult survivor and a Caring Bridge patron. And kicking it off in our survivor spotlight, Brita Aragon. She's a young adult survivor of Hodgkin's lymphoma, and she's the founder of Cinco Vidas. That's a company that caters to survivors, and she'll tell us all about that. All right, as a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation online at stupidcancer.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day and are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. And that's that. So, hello. And that's that. Yes. Hello, Lisa. Hello, friends. Welcome to hello, another Matthew. fun and exciting Rob's of the Hay on tonight's stupid cancer show where remission is not a cure and survivorship is all that matters. And hello to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and on iTunes as we broadcast all the way live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. And don't forget, folks, the stupid cancer show has a live interactive chat feed during each broadcast, and we invite you to join in the fun connect with friends, make new friends, and ask questions of our guests. And I guess we can welcome our in-studio guest, Mr. Kenny Kane. Hello. He's back. I'd like like to welcome myself back. Yes. Kenny, why don't you welcome the intern? Um, What's your name again? (laughs) We have other Kenny. We like to call him OK. And we have Susie sitting over on the couch. Kenny and Susie make two-thirds of our intern compliment. For the uh, season, correct? Correct. correct. And uh, returning champion, James Manning. Hey, hey. Hello, sir. How are you? Production Very assistant. Good. Yes, broadcast production associate. Assistant. Associate. Associate. Well, Amanda's the assistant. He's the associate. 
His associate higher than assistant, though? I don't know if he should be... We have, have leapfrog. Leapfrog. Leapfrog? <laughs> I told you to stop drinking. I can't he, help it. Okay. It just does that. The advice anyway. Work. Anyway. All right. He's a so. fantastic assistant associate. No, it's fantastic. Production. You do good work, Person. my friend. Thank you, man. All right. Well, anyway, welcome to our show. Welcome to our show. Hello, folks. everybody. Yes, welcome to our show. Kenny Kane is back, and he's redder than ever. Yes, he is. Well, I've been doing, like, a whole shitload of dog walking. Yes, that's true. I spend my days, well, I guess it would have to be my days, walking the dog. And, Isn't uh, that a yo-yo maneuver? It is. Yes. Somebody hand him some suntan lotion. Yeah, exactly. His, also, his hair has grown out. Up top, so he's got lots of red hair. At least I'm kind of, hair. Oh, I'm not clean shaven, but and I'm not. And the red beard. I'm no, not you, quite bearded. You need the scruff. You need the scruff. Well, I look like a 10-year-old without it. Anyway, today's a really important day. Not because it's G-Day. Not because it was nas- it's the day after National Cancer Survivors Day. But today yep. is the 24th anniversary of my... Wait, I can queue it up. My Bar Mitzvah. Oh. It was 24 years ago today, folks. Where did you have your bar mitzvah? God, I had my bar mitzvah in, like, Far Rockaway. Was it at a catering hall? Yeah, yeah. It was, okay. It was in Far Rockaway. Is that when the moil comes? Does no, the moil no, no, no. <laughs> no, the moil. It's the 37th I, anniversary I don't of the moil see, I don't want to see any 24-year-old scars. What was it? I don't. If my dad's in the chat room, he'll remember the name of the place where my bar mitzvah was. So everybody went to the synagogue first, and then went to a catering hall. Yes, exactly. Did you have a DJ? Did we have a DJ? We had a live band. Oh, you did. Live band. Oh wow. Yeah, and they spelled my name wrong. <laughs> the the Greenswag part. At my fucking bar mitzvah. I'm enough of a neurotic Jew at 13 years old in Security Squared. No. They spelled my name wrong. Wait, who at did? my bar mitzvah. The synagogue the or caterer? the caterer? The caterer. The, you know, all the napkins right. and the plates. Oh, so everything the, that was, had your name on everything it, like had my monogram? Name on it. Yeah, everything. It was like you were at somebody else's party. Like the hats, the shirts, the giveaways, the, the little cards, the big plexi signing board. You spent the whole day looking for Matthew, Matthew with one T. Matthew with one T, yeah. Oh. Very good. I've n- never quite recovered. I don't blame you. <laughs> 24 that's, years that's later. That's traumatic. Yes. Never, never quite recovered. Anyway, so today actually is D-Day. Did you actually become a man is the question. Oh, I've been all man <laughs> since I've been like four years old. So. Except for when he oh. reads the intro and he's like, ah. Yeah, when I go through puberty when I yes. read the intro. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it, today is D-Day. We pay homage to our uh, men and women who stormed Normandy. Uh, my grandfather was one of them. Your grandfather was? Yes. I did not know that. My grandfather flew a C-37 or a C-47 a uh, cargo transplant, transplant transport that carried like 50 or 60 paratroopers into enemy territory on D-Day. Wow. He was the crew chief of this plane. Is this Grandpa Greenswag? Grandpa or... Herbert Greenswag, yes. My father's father. Is he still with us? No, he passed away in 1979. Oh, wow. And now you pilot the stupid cancer show. Yes. What? <laughs> more, like, more like, I was say, more like crash land. Yeah, exactly. Proud yeah. member of the yeah. chair force. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Well, anyway, that's that's a that's good, a fascinating bit of history. Yeah. My grandfather was the, was the man. He was of the, awesome. of the Greenswag family. Yes, exactly, exactly. A noble pursuit. Yep. Well, anyway, today actually is um, the day after National Cancer Survivors Day, so we need to pay a little tribute to the fact that we get one day a year where people try to care. That we survive cancer. Well, young adults, we get what one week actually. We get a week. It? Breast cancer gets a month. Pretty much yeah. every other body part gets a month. 
So if I if I add up breast cancer, the one week for young adult and the one day, so that's pretty good. I'm batting, you know, five weeks in a day. Five weeks in a day, yeah. That I get to celebrate the survivorship. Thank you, Matthew. That's thirty what? That's thirty six days. Yeah. I can right? do math. <laughs> now, um did do you get brain is there a brain tumor day? Yeah, there is National Brain Tumor Awareness Month. I think is in February. Oh, or, it's a whole month. Mr. Eric Galvez would probably tell me it's in February or March. Okay. But uh yeah, it's 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 it was recent. He's our he's our brain tumor expert. He's a resident brain tumor douchebag, yes. yeah. He's been on the show. <laughs> been on the show. Wow. Mass Kickers is his organization. Eric is awesome. Yeah. Eric is the man. He's a great guy. And he likes when we uh we totally make fun of him. I'm going to paint his chair pink. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny rode in his mo- in motorcycle, in his wheelchair, <laughs> his motorized wheelchair. I've ridden in it twice. Yes. In two different cities. <laughs> and on a boat. How many speeds yeah. does it have? Uh, it just has one. Okay. I'm going to say that it goes a little quicker for uh, for Eric. Yeah. Well, talking, speaking of the um, National Cancer Awareness Day yes. that was yesterday, I'm going to give a little shout-out to my hometown people up in... Uh, the Hudson Valley, Phillipstown, that's an area. Here's a little geographical history for everybody. That encompasses Cold Spring, Nelsonville, and Garrison. And they had their uh, American Cancer Society Relay for Life. And guess what? It was the first t- one that my town did, and they raised $43,000. Pretty great. I do that in an hour. Oh, come on. I think you raised like 300 bucks for your birthday wish. 290-something yeah. bucks for my birthday wish. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Nice going. Right. Two ninety, forty-three thousand. So I'm uh, applauding my Phillipstown brethren for their relay for life. Congratulations! And uh, how about Wiener Date? Ah, the story that never ends. If irony had irony, <laughs> if irony had a wiener, <laughs> it would be this. Unrelated to anything else, but we just have to talk about because it it's too damn funny. Well, it's related in the sense that he's a big champion of the uh, Obama health care reform. Yes, and we actually. Would love to have him on the show to discuss that. Well, yeah. Oh, my dad's in the chat room. Uh, Dad, if you're listening, uh, what was the name of the place I got bar mitzvah at? Because today's the uh, 24th anniversary. And let him uh, pop up. I love how it's a verb. What? It's like, where were you bar mitzvahed? That's the verb. No, I know, but it's like... Where is... At what venue was my bar mitzvah held? We'll see. Anyway. So, I I, I digress. Sorry about that. Back to Wienergate. Wienergate. Bar mitzvah... Wiener. <laughs> well, everything's related. Like there is exactly. He's probably That's my first cousin, Rep, Rep Wiener. Yeah. Well, he is from Brooklyn. Yes, he is. He is. Um, yeah, I mean, he was caught red-handed, or whatever, gray underwear. Harry Palm. There we go. <laughs> he was caught Harry Palm. Yes, exactly. But I think that we were very prescient in, in wanting an interview with him because we had been pursuing him before he then gave eight thousand interviews every everywhere right. in the media right. on an entirely different topic. We had no idea. But did he? It, what it, was brewing? Is he just too nubile so, to realize that you can't lie upon lie upon lie? It, it, no, it really is. It's it's unfathomable in this day and age that somebody could think that anything could go out over the internet, whether you think it's a private tweet or whatever you're doing. Everything's public on the internet. I, I don't understand this. But this means this means that he's done this in the past and gotten away with it. But how did like the Y Frog Twitter graphic program? Like, did he make it private? Maybe he did, like, a, uh, well, it couldn't do a facial recognition. No, God, no. No, not that part. 
I don't know, but everything is look. Er, everything's public on it. You can access anything on the internet. Why you put, would possibly and the 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 shirtless photos show his face. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just. Crazy. But I love that his like Twitter photo is like his bar mitzvah picture. <laughs> Did you notice that? See? Yeah, it goes back to the bar mitzvah. Exactly. Wiener bar mitzvah. Oh, my father chimed in. Um, the Washington Hotel in Bell Harbor, Queens. Okay, you guys hop a lot of. Uh, Burroughs in your family. I don't know why we did it's it this true. way. Like the, the the synagogue was on Staten Island, and I had like friends from like junior high school that were coming with me. But well, they taking this giant shuttle bus, like forty miles east out to Long Island to Bell Harbor. Boy, that's a lot of schlepping. I don't know. Like what possessed? I do. I love you, Dad. Thank you. <laughs> he saved a few bucks. Yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> Burns. Yeah, exactly. But they spelled my name wrong, so we got no no discounts. Anyway. But yes, a anyway. uh, wiener is a wiener. So I can talk about lymph nodes. Yeah, you had a scare. I had a little bit of a scare. In the middle of the night last week, actually, before, uh, the week prior, actually, before our last show, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning, I felt a, uh enlarged lymph node under my right arm. Was which it, is was it Wiener's tweet? <laughs> I was going to say that's what, just, I was say that's what was, he said. Yeah. <laughs> My lymph node was very excited at seeing Wiener's tweet. You had a raging, it just expanded you had a raging, and grew. You had a raging lymph right, node. Right. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, anyway, it was the one under my right uh, armpit, which is where I had a mastectomy and reconstruction 16 years ago and had 15 lymph nodes taken out because that's what they did back in the day. They didn't just do the sentinel node like they right. do now. Yeah, yeah. The one closest to the, the breast. Uh, as it were, and uh, so no, 15 of them are gone. So I thought, and they were all um, they were all negative. So I thought, well, this is very interesting. Right. And um, I managed to go back to sleep, and I woke up the next morning, and I thought, this is very large. I should go see the doctor. So I went in to see the doctor, and first they were going to needle biopsy, and next they said, no, I think we should do a core biopsy. Which I thought. Eh. And what's the difference for our listeners? Thank you, Matthew, for asking. Well, a needle biopsy is they just stick a needle in and they take basically a few cells, right. I think, to look at under the microscope. So a core biopsy is they actually had to anesthetize the area locally with a needle. And like an apple core? Or they and take then a- they, well, uh, almost, they yeah. uh, put something, um, it's been described to me almost as a caulk gun. I know you don't do anything handy around the house, Matthew. But that I'm familiar be, with a caulk gun. Okay, so yeah. a caulk gun. So they basically pushed the caulk gun-like object into the node, and they took out three different chunks of tissue. I picture the, those like ice core drills in like Antarctica. They right. Bring out those, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's Just pretty, like that. Pretty much like that. With Dennis Quaid. With no, sadly no. Okay. <laughs> um, so then they, uh, and and so the my node, the doctor said, looked interesting, which is not really something that you want to hear as a patient. I can understand if he's in the classroom teaching his <laughs> medical students. This node looks interesting. But when you're the actual live patient there, interesting right. is not necessarily no. the yeah, word yeah, you want yeah. to hear. So I had a kind of a jittery Memorial Day weekend waiting for the result to come back. Um, but it all came back negative, and, uh, which is quite nice. I'm thankful for that. And nobody really knows. I didn't have any big cut on my arm or my hand or anything that would make it. It didn't, it didn't hurt, which also was not a great sign, because normally if they get infected in large, right. they're painful. Mine was not painful, which was of some concern. So, but the moral of the story is... Go to the doctor. It's not a tumor. Yes. Okay? That is exactly well, it. That is the moral story. Lisa Thank gets you. a, a cancer scare applause. Thank you very Cheating much. Cheating death for the umpteenth time. <laughs> Welcome to my world. 
<laughs> let's knock all the wood now. Yes. Um, but good, good to get in there. I'm very grateful actually that I was able to be seen the yep. next day. Yep, yep, yep. So, all right. Well, onward. we can talk about ASCO with uh, with Sona um, because Caringbridge had a presence there, and it, it's all really important that the doctors know about this stuff. But we have our in studio live uh, Survivor Spotlight tonight, so let's cue up. What music should we play for you? Hmm. Mm. Looking her in the eye. Mm. And I'm gonna say, uh, a little Barry. All right, you're getting Rickrolled. Oh. Uh-huh. Like it. A little Rick Astley. All right, Brita Aragon, entrepreneur, natural beauty expert, natural beauty, and cancer survivor founded Cinco Vidas in 2008, which provides expert resources and safe solutions to those going through side effects from chemo, radiation, or medications or who experience skin conditions like eczema, I don't know what that word is, and chronic dryness. Itchy skin. Rosea? Rosacea. Okay, thank you. (laughs) You learned something new. I feel so stupid right now. All right. Rosacea. Yeah. Rosacea. Rosacea. I'm hooked on phonics. She lectures on safe self-care for compromised skin in the New York area and is also the author of When Cancer Hits. And the creator of CB Skin Lab, please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Brita Aragon. Brita, thank you. Brita. Cinco Vitas. Yes, thank you. So happy to be here to share my story. We're happy to have you. Hodgkin's lymphoma. Yes. Congratulations. Let's start with that. Yes, it was uh, 16 years old, uh, 20 years ago now, and uh, found a lump on my left collarbone, and we didn't think much of it. Yep. We went to family doctor. She right away did the bo- said, we'll do a biopsy. She sent me to a neck specialist right there. She's like, you got to go right now. Went to the neck specialist. And 20 years ago, the result of that was the doctor calling my mother in a different room saying, your daughter either either has Hodgkin's lymphoma or Hodgkin's disease. And my mom just said, what is that? And the doctor said, cancer. So that was uh, 20 years ago. And, um, you know, I was so young, I didn't really understand. I didn't really know the seriousness of the disease. Um, I ended up having a year of chemotherapy, and I was also going to have radiation, but I didn't have to have it. Lost all my hair, gained some weight from the steroids. found it, though. I fa- she found lots of it. Yeah. yeah, that's that's an amazing head of hair that that Brita has. Yeah, what's my excuse? <laughs> well, you know, I think I think it's very interesting that we're talking about this because through my it's last- long and dark, by the way, we have no visual. So if we're talking about her hair, we should describe it. It's like Breck girl. Long, dark, healthy, nice hair. But isn't Breck like a really bad toxic brand with crap inside it? Sure. Okay. Yep. Okay. Anyway, it's, it's not like bright. we'll call we'll call it C V no, no, Skin Labs hair. It's pert. It's pert plus. Right. I'll, I'll post I'll it's post, right. I'll, so much better. I'm gonna send your your, your uh, Facebook picture to the group. Perfect. Nice. So um let's backtrack a little bit though. So I, I'm not clear on this. What is the difference between Hodgkin's disease and Hodgkin's lymphoma? Well, that's just it. The the doctor had told my mother that if there was the, one of the cancers to have that I'd rather have Hodgkin's lymphoma because it was easier to treat and the odds were a lot better. So that's where we left it. I never really went into to the other. So Hodgkin's, they're very close. They're both cancers of the lymph nodes, but I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. Okay. Okay. And um, yeah, so, but talking about hair and a good head of hair, 
You know, for me, at 16 years old, I don't think the diagnosis itself was what impacted me, but what impacted me the most is that I was going to lose my hair. And Were you in high school? Yes. They, they, they make fun of you with hair. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and they were airing Breck commercials and Pert Plus commercials back then. And they be, were. And, and Sergio Valente jeans, right? <laughs> okay. And Buffalo jeans, too. Good stuff. So, yeah. So what I did for me today, my hair is, I have to say, one of the most, it is an important thing because it just takes me back to that 16 years old when I lost my hair and I was in high school. However, I went and got wigs, and I did wear a wig through high school, which, uh, you know, I had a, a very good experience because most of my high school did get behind me and was very supportive. Did you lose your eyebrows or your eyelashes? Yes, that's another thing. You know, it's like the doctors, you know, they tell me you're going to lose your hair, but did I know I was going to lose my eyebrows and my eyelashes? Absolutely not. These are some of the side effects that they don't really tell you about. You've more than made up for it because you also have absolutely perfect eyebrows. I don't even understand how perfect your eyebrows are. That's amazing. It's like looking into the sun. <laughs> into the sun. That's an interesting analogy. Oh, I, I try. <laughs> well, thank you, Lisa. And thank you, Matthew. You're welcome. <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld used that analogy, by the way, for cleavage. He said, it's like look, he said it's like looking into the sun. You can't look exactly at it. You just have to get a sense of it and then look away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Anyway. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> You're welcome. Lisa Bernard, everyone. <laughs> okay. So, so Brita. <laughs> for how long How long did, did it take you to finish your treatments and, and your hair to grow back? Um, well, the hair, my hair didn't absolutely fall out immediately. It was just starting to fall out. Long. Oh, the pretty way. The pretty way, <laughs> in, absolutely. In treacherous clumps. Okay. Yes, and my dad... <laughs> decided to when I started to it started to thin quite a quite a bit we decided to shave it and um, treatments were about seven months hair came back curly I always wanted to perm it because it was straight and it came back curly and I went and got extensions I think about three months after that and the hair started to come back pretty quick are you Canadian <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm actually Mexican, but I grew up, I spent about 20 years in Vancouver, Canada. Okay, I just had to comment on the about. About, yes. That's where I get caught. Okay. Absolutely. No, I love it. Well, she told, me, I love she was, Canadian. She told me she and was Mexican. Canadian before, and I promised I wouldn't reveal that. You're from, both, you're from both continents, above and below us. The Absolutely. You're just a North American. It's actually the same continent. You mean country. I meant, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the booze. <laughs> it's separated by Back this body the of water called the United States. <laughs> <laughs> this toxic haven of ignorance. I've I've never met somebody who's completely representative of our continent. But just not about. Not, yeah, not our so, entire continent. So. Just about. Anyway, about just the booze. Boot. <laughs> okay. However, I had... Um, I actually wanted to share that I had a second experience with the disease, and this was about eight years later. So I went into remission, Matthew, to answer your question, seven months, hair grew back, and nine years later, my father was uh, diagnosed with colon cancer, and he fought about an eight-year cancer battle. And um, so through his me seeing him go through all the difficult side effects and myself not being able to find any resources or any solutions that were really going to help them with the side effects. Um, it really, I, I was lost. I felt really lost, confused. And when Dad passed away in August 2007, it dawned on me that it was my purpose and my mission, my personal mission, to 
pass on my father's legacy and to dedicate my life work to helping others in the cancer journey. And therefore, that's where I started Cinco Vidas. And tell us about Cinco Vidas. And first of all, tell us about the name. Yeah, the name. So as we've already shared, I'm Mexican. So Cinco Vidas is Spanish. And since that was my heritage, it really had a meaningful ring to it. And number two is dad had colon cancer, but it spread into four different areas of his body and spread into the uh, lungs, liver, um, it spread into the bones, and then he had a secondary cancer. He had a brain tumor. Wow. He went through a lot. He went through yeah. a lot in eight years. And so we, I named it Cinco Vidas for five times that he had cancer, five times that he renewed his commitment to life. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's what Cinco Vidas. That's nice. That's wow. wonderful. So tell us about what Cinco Vidas offers in terms of products and care and for, for survivors out there. It's obviously enchiladas on a Mountie. <laughs> that comes with it. <laughs> that was very good, Matthew. You've been crafting that for the past five minutes? Yes, I have. That's, you did well done. Well, I was going to say, I forgot the name of the, the, the reindeer things you have up in Canada. They're not like like elk or deer or something. What are those? Manitou. No, no, no. That's like Moose. a fish. No. Ma, uh, ma, uh, caribou. Caribou. I was I close. Uh, I, was close. I, I said Mountie. I wanted to I, say like tacos on a caribou. Right. Caribou, okay. Manitou. They have Canadian bacon walking around. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sorry, I digress. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, Cinco Vidas, um, one of the things, like I mentioned, I couldn't find resources. Um, And when I did, I would find either sites or different pamphlets, books, but they had very little information. It wasn't as detailed as what I needed because Dad went through cancer for eight years. So now I'm a caregiver. I'm wearing the caregiver hat. I'm a survivor being a caregiver. Um, it was very difficult for me to find a place with, for all the new side effects that were just popping up. So I started with a blog that is a very successful blog to get today, and it's an interactive community. And then from that, it dawned on me that I really needed to provide a resource that people could have in hand, whether you're going through, the, through cancer or you're a caregiver and you wanted to help a loved one to really give you information about what to do from A to Z. So I wrote When Cancer Hits, which will be out in September, and it's a complete guide to taking care of yourself through cancer. And um, so that was the second project. And the third project was providing safe solutions for compromised skin because, as we know, skin is the largest organ of the body, and when we go through chemotherapy and radiation, the skin definitely takes the brunt. So I've created a line of products that comforts and repairs compromised skin, and it has absolutely no ingredients that are potentially harmful. I thought she was going to say no ingredients. (laughs) At all. (laughs) It's just air in a tube. (laughs) It's like going to one of those oxygen rooms. Right, exactly. It's a hookah bar for your skin, exactly. Well, the main thing is I wanted to provide solutions that didn't add an additional toxins to the body. As we know, the body's already taxed with a top. So how difficult was that for you to come up with? I mean, had you done anything in the skincare business before? Because it's challenging. We had a show uh, just last week where we were talking about cosmetics. Right, well, she knows Mia. She knows the folks at yes. the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics. Right, and, and Rami, who was here, who has a, a product line of cosmetics, he was talking about the challenges of taking out preservatives like parabens, uh, that it's often very difficult to find substitutes. So how did you go about this? And I'm so glad we're talking about this because it is 
very difficult. You have to really make a decision when you start a process like this that you're not going to cut any corners and that you're going to do whatever it takes to get the job done without stepping out of integrity. So it took me a year to, first of all, I hired an organic chemist and a Chinese medicine doctor from the U.K., and I did research for a year, number one, on ingredients. Number two, I toured around the U.S., finding a manufacturer that would actually align with my vision and not take, not want to do what they want to do because it was easier and faster. So once I did that, I found a team of people that had worked in the beauty industry, and my background is in beauty. I'm a makeup artist, and I've worked in the beauty industry for 10 years. But on the other side, I never worked behind the scenes, and I never really knew how much work it would be. But the passion that I have to really help people going through the journey surpassed the late nights, the sweat, blood, tears. It didn't matter. So Wait, I was... There's blood in your products? <laughs> on the side of them. <laughs> okay. Very nice. So she actually works in a. Uh, but the blood's been tested. Okay. Yeah, it's she works fun. in a slaughterhouse. Yeah, the blood's been through a lab. Okay, good. Matthew, what have you been drinking? I'm on vitamin water zero. You're, wow, okay. that's amped you up. I'm all right. Na- naturally sweetened. Yeah, there's like no bad stuff. Let's talk about like uh, accountability and Wienergate in our chemistry. There's nothing <laughs> in here. You can take vitamin water zero. There's nothing bad in here. The color of that looks no a little blood. bit. The, 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 col- a, the color of that wa- vitamin water looks a little bit like it came from Wiener actually, Gate. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that, that's the only drink that comes out the same way. <laughs> it's it's okay. it's called rhythm. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's just let's just, let's just stop there. <laughs> really, Lisa's got a raging liver. Brita, Brita, I'm so sorry. So, uh, so how do you market yourself? Like, how do people know what you're doing? What types of uh, feedback have you gotten? And what's the product line called, and it comes out when? The product line is called CV Skin Labs, and it comes out February 2012. And um, I have a blog right now, the Cinco Vidas blog, which is at www.cincovidas.com. And uh, for now, that's how, that's how I market myself. I've been writing for about two and a half years specifically on the side effects of chemotherapy and radiation, and really creating awareness about carcinogens and personal care products and food and the environment. And the response has been incredible. People are writing in and they're, they're, they're just expressing their gratitude to find a place that really takes them, gives them solutions. And Because this is all so overwhelming, as we know. It's, it's very overwhelming. And being able to just have a place that specifically deals with what's going on, I think um, is a lot of relief, especially for caregivers. We just put up Cinco Vidas in the chat room, so folks yeah. can log on and they can check it out. Amazing. Excellent. Really amazing. Well, you're here for the whole show. You're sticking around. You don't have to stay silent when we're on the, on the other uh, conversations. But uh, we've got to end this segment. Uh, Brita Aragon, everybody. Thanks, Brita. Thank you. Mexican, Canadian, cancer survivor. And American. American. Very nice. Very nice. We have to come up with some. We got to make the Candy to the rescue. Yes. Candy to the rescue. All right, let's breeze through our news Hello, here, I'm Kent and then uh, we'll bring out our caring bridge, folks. Just the facts, ma'am. Lisa. Matthew, you don't really start this. I know, but I just figured I. Okay, you're. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.com. Try to keep it shorter, you know. Your calendar for all of our social and educational events nationwide. 
stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we don't want you missing out, Matthew. We've got events. We've got a Super Cancer Happy Hour in D.C. on Wednesday, July 13th. We have our Stupid Cancer Boot Camp in Chicago with my Uncle Fertility at Northwestern, Johnny Irman. Your Uncle uh, Fertility? My Uncle Fertility. <laughs> my Uncle Fertility. I have an Uncle Fertility. What, what, did he fly a place too? <laughs> okay, folks. I can't think. We're gearing up for right. the t- 2012 OMG. I didn't finish the event. Go ahead, Matthew. Do you have more? Tuesday, June 23rd is a boot camp in Chicago, and this Thursday is the fifth annual Stupid Cancer Ungala right here in New York City at stupidcancerungala.com. Come to our Ungala, folks. There's more tickets left. Come Thursday night. Matthew, tell them again where it is and what time it is. It is from 7 to 10 at Taj Lounge on East 21st Street, right in the heart of Chelsea. And we'll, we will all be there. We will all be there. Come take the Kenny Kane drinking challenge. Uh-oh. <laughs> we are gearing up for the 2012 OMG Cancer Summit in Las Vegas, Nevada, early next year. Get the scoop on our upcoming Save the Date. Join the Facebook group and sign up for the mailing list. Visit omg2012.org. All righty, folks. The Stupid Cancer Forums have more than 800 members now. It goes up like 100 a week. It's amazing. This is your premier online community to connect with survivors, patients, parents, and caregivers just like you. Visit stupidcancerforums.com. Sign up with one click through Facebook. Do you want to help us but don't know how? Join the Stupid Cancer Street Team. It's free. It's easy. Win great prizes and build our grassroots efforts and meet thousands of authentic fans from around the globe. Sign up today at stupidcancerarmy.com. All right, our friends at Cancer and Careers are having their first ever national conference on work and cancer. Friday, June 17th, right here in New York City. Our chapter is all over this, like Wine on Rice. We're going to be there. We're promoting it. If you live in the New York City metro area, check out cancerandcareers.org forward slash conference. And as always, be sure to register with Immerman Angels, our partner in one-on-one peer matching at immermanangels.org. And check out the calendar for First Descent, the premier YA outdoor adventure organization. Visit firstdescent.com. And that, Matthew, is your your stupid cancer cancer news. All righty. Wow. This is a new one. Oh, this is a great oldie. Things have gotten a lot cooler since I I left. (laughs) Well, Rick Rick Astley, we were not so sure about that before, but... Sona Mering, we are so excited that she is here. She is here from CaringBridge. She's the founder and CEO of CaringBridge, which is a nonprofit that provides free websites that connect people experiencing a significant health challenge with their family and friends. She'll share the powerful story of CaringBridge and how social networking has provided a globally beneficial way to support people during and beyond cancer. And she'll talk about our new partnership. Yes, I2I has a partnership with CaringBridge, which we are very excited about. We also have with us Nick Nonia. Nick Nonia? That's the one. Nicholas Ritibuto. Yeah, I get two different names for him. Why do you have the wrong name here? No, it's two different names. He's the same guy. Okay, I'm thoroughly confused. No one gave me the memo on this. Yeah. I'm going to go with Nick Rivituso. Rivituso, because I like that. He's 24 years old. He's a licensed veterinary technician, and he's a two-time cancer survivor. He's got all kinds of great hobbies. He's a flautist. That means he plays the flute. He does yoga, he loves reading and socializing, and he's working on a book called The Many Faces of Young Adult Cancer. 
It's all about different young adult cancer survivors and their personal stories and how each of us are different and different in how we handle it and how we fight it and how we survive. That's what we like to talk about here. So please welcome Sona Mering and Nick Rivituso. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And most importantly, we should mention that Nick has a Caring Bridge page. Yes, he does. And that's why he joins me here. Exactly. Not just me. Joins all of us here tonight. Well, hello, Nick. Hello, Sona. Welcome back. Hello. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, you're a returning champion, Sona. I am. I think it was about a year ago. It was. It was a. It was about a year ago. It was a good show. It was a really good show. It was on the last anniversary of Matthew's Bar Mitzvah. It was. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was, exactly. I remember it well. Yeah. <laughs> should I, should I cue up the Jewish you're music the, you're again? You're the special Bar Mitzvah guest. We keep, you have to mention Bar Mitzvah? <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, but, Soda, before we start, I need you to guilt Kathy Tomlinson, um, who is the catalyst that created this amazing relationship that we have. She's in our chat room. She's in our chat room right now, but I told her at threat of embarrassment um, that she needs to be on the show tonight, and she's not. So we need to collectively make her feel bad. We're going to call her. Yeah, we're going to call her right now. Absolutely. Okay, I can't good. believe she wouldn't want to be involved. I don't think she likes you very much. Yeah, you I'll work totally, on that. You totally fire her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she sent me this long note today to remind me of the show and to make sure I was going to be ready and told me all the backstories that she learned from many people she met uh, at uh, your your what oh summit was it uh, about a, yeah. a couple of weeks ago? Uh, she, there are pictures we can't show you from that you event. Guys. Yeah. We could she loves about, you guys. We'll just talk about Kathy the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> What's that thing about pictures and social media and your employer? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we can't do that. <laughs> so, Sona, tell us about this. You've created uh, an amazing organization here, an amazing service for folks. These are free websites. Tell us how you got it all going. Well, it was 14 years ago tomorrow, so right around the anniversary of the Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, so it was 14 years ago, 1997, and a good friend of mine had a very premature baby and asked me to let everybody know what was going on. And I thought, boy, I'm going to have a hard time doing that. So I turned to my background, which was in technology, and thought, I'm going to create a website. And, in fact, the same night their baby, Bridget, was born, that first Caring Bridge site was born. And, of course, instantly eased the burden for me making phone calls and all that emotional energy of telling people what's going on. But that wow effect of how the power of connecting friends and family, whether they're across the street or around the world, was just amazing, That how you can connect hearts behind the keyboards and really bring that hope, love, and compassion and just make it alive through this site. And it was through that experience that, boy, this can be used for any type of health journey, health experience, and of course, a cancer journey uh, is very much something that CaringBridge helps with tremendously, not only that patient, but that caregiver. So, um, Barita, I'm sure you could relate from both having cancer as well as caring for your father that something like this would have been just a wonderful uh, tool and service to have to let people know what's going on and to let people stay connected and send those messages of love and support. So tell us actually how it works. Walk us through it practically for the folks who are listening out there who may be interested in in setting up a a page on CaringBridge. You go to CaringBridge.org. So you can do that on your mobile device. You can do that on the browser. There's actually an app on the iPhone. There's an app on the Droid. You can download the CaringBridge app. But you go to CaringBridge.org, and right on there you'll see Create a Site. 
very simply you can create a site. In fact, you can create a site for someone else and send it to them, and they can publish it. So you can make this easy not only for yourself, but for someone else you know that maybe is going through a health journey. There's some basic information you have to provide, and then you also choose what type of privacy level you want. You can customize it with different styles, for example. Uh, I'm Too Young for This Stupid Cancer Show um, has a great style that uh, you can put on your website to personalize it. And it has a journal where you can tell people what's going on, as well as a, a message slash guest book that people can leave messages of support, a photo area, a tribute area, a place to put links to more information. Kind of the basic building blocks of being able to build a community around the experience you're going through. One of the things I like about Caring Bridge, and actually, how many people are using your services as of today? There's a couple of numbers I like to say. In the last 12 months, 43 million unique individuals have visited someone on a Caring Bridge site. So that's a big family of Not too shabby. 43 million people are lending love and support. We have close to 300,000 Caring Bridge communities created. So 300,000 people that are going through a health journey. That's extraordinary. One of the things I wanted to point out is that, you know, people use, like, Facebook, and they use blogs, and they use Tumblr, and they use whatever. You guys have an amazing system where it really it respects the privacy of the person going through this, the uh, their, their situation, where they're in charge of the content that they push. They're in charge of screening who wants to get in touch with them. And it really empowers them to take control over things they may not have control over, Correct. Yeah, I think, you know, the way you can communicate is one of the things you can control when you've gotten that diagnosis and, you know, it it really just changes your life. And CaringBridge has always taken a unique approach to privacy. And every day as I hear more and more about the other social networks and what they're doing about privacy, I realize how unique our approach to privacy is. And as a nonprofit, we can really honor that in that the privacy is up to the the author and the creator of the site it's very transparent it's very easy to change and in fact the site is kept very protected we don't uh, have ads on it we keep it free of ads we don't sell the data we actually block it from search engines many caring bridge sites are available through search engines because people actually post their their website address somewhere but by default it's blocked from search engines it's protected and it is just a to us, it's more of a sacred space. It needs to be more of a protected space because it's that kind of an emotional um, conversation that's going on. Well, we should bring in Nick and talk about how he found Caring Bridge and uh, went about setting up his page. Nick, you with us? Yes, I am. So tell us your story. I know you were, you were a two-time survivor. Is that right? That's correct. And you came upon Caring Bridge when? Uh, actually, back in December. Um, my doctor is the one that actually mentioned it to me. So that's great that that you you it's you're obviously caring bridge entrenched in the medical community and physicians and medical uh, and healthcare workers are out there letting particularly young adults know that this is a place where they can turn to set up pages. So your doctor told you about it and you set up the page on your own and 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 tell us how it's gone from there. Um, I mean it's gone pretty fantastic. Um, I'm still fighting those types of cancer. Um, I have chronic lymphocytic leukemia and non-Hodgkin's small cell lymphoma. Um, I was diagnosed with leukemia in May of last year, um, and like I said, I had my doctor had mentioned CaringBridge to me back in December. Um, I had started the page then, 
and then I was diagnosed with the lymphoma later on in early January of this year. Are the so, two are uh, the two related? Um, yes and no. Um, lymphoma can happen when your leukemia becomes metastatic, um, which is what happened in my case. Um, but the type of complex of the lymphoma that mine took on was just a secondary cancer. Secondary. Okay. So you're current now. Are you still currently in treatment for for both? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Where where are you in treatment? Where do you live? I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Are you at UPMC? No, I'm at Allegheny General. Oh, okay. Are you happy there? Yes, I am. I think there's a Gilda's Club out there with a young adult club, isn't there? There is. Shout out to Gilda's Club of Western PA. I do go there quite frequently. Well, that's pretty cool. I know most of the people out there, so send my love, and uh, if you ever want wristbands or swag or stuff, let us know. Most definitely will do. Well, I'm going to bring up Kathy Tomlinson's name again because she brings up a um, good point in the chat room here where you chose Caring Bridge over Facebook because why, Nick, specifically? Um, I chose Caring Bridge more so over Facebook. Um, one, the privacy settings are fantastic. Um, I can definitely... Um, I'm able to allow there to be another author if I'm not feeling up to writing, number one. But number two, I don't have people that are able to just Google my name or go to, like they can go to Facebook and Google my name and find all of my info and find what's going on. I don't have to worry about that. So my entire cancer journey is specifically on Caring Bridge. And anyone that I have want to be able to connect with and to know what I'm going through, they're able. I'm able to give them that information. They're able to go there. They're able to see everything that I'm going through. And you know, I don't have to worry about coworkers or um, employment, things like that. Finding this information, um, you know, or if I was to interview somewhere else, you know, they could Google my name, and I don't have to worry about that popping up, you know, but, where all of a sudden, oh, Nick had cancer, you know, and then ask that in the interview or something like that, where that ends up becoming an awkward situation. So. Yeah, um, I'm sorry? No, that, that, that's a good point. How often do you find yourself uh, on your page? Um, I'm normally on there two to three times a week. Sometimes I will only post something once a week. Um, a lot of times I will go on there um, to add new pictures or just to check the guest book, um, things like that. So I, my question for you, Nick, is in the sense of, you know, Let's look at Facebook. Facebook made a whole stink about how they changed their privacy policies, um, but I completely understand, like, they could change their policies again without telling anybody and everyone would know that you're sick or whatever. What, do you have a, a career? Are you on a job path? Are you in school right now? I do have a career, yes, as a veterinary nurse. So are you concerned about, you know, um, your employers, like, searching you out, or have you been open with them? Just, yeah. Yeah. You just seem to I, I allude to that, right? I have been very now. open, yes. Um, however, you know, there's always chances for improvement in any career field. So right. if I was to go and apply somewhere else or, like, I'm looking towards applying for um, a specialty in veterinary nursing, you know, for different um, career advances that I can make, I don't necessarily want them – I know a lot of companies end up Googling you or trying to look for information on you online. Um, and that's something that can come up. You know, I, I checked my name out on Google not that long ago, and a bunch of things popped up because of Facebook, because of the Young Adult Cancer Charter for Rights, um, because of many things like that. So 
at least I know, you know, they may be able to see something there, but they don't know necessarily that I have cancer, just that I support people with cancer. Um, if Caring Bridge was to pop up on Google, they would see absolutely everything. So. Right, and, and so, no, what what technical lengths do you guys go to to not be searched by Google? What, what is it like? You have to tell them don't search us, or you have to like have this whole crazy system in place internally that blocks Google. Well, it's a combination of that. There is rules of engagements on the internet where you can, uh, as you code pages, you can mark them as non-searchable. Um, and then there is certain firewalls and things that you can put your data behind. So it's kind of a combination. Um, you know, we're not a um, totally secure uh, HIPAA bank, but we do go to links to make sure that um, in the normal processing of uh, Google searches, of, of search web bots, of things that are out there crawling to get every information, those are all blocked. And Sona, also, uh, in the time that you've been out, there are some other web pages out there as well for patients to set up sites and set up pages of their own. What is the difference between what you offer and what some of the other organizations out there offer? Well, I do know we're the only nonprofit that really doesn't have ads, doesn't sell data, and really treats it as a mission. Uh, and it's been that way since day one for those 14 years. And to me, it's always been about, you know, similar to, it's really been a passion of mine and similar to the story um, Barita was talking about earlier in the show, you're, you kind of understand what's needed. And it's always been driven by when people are in this state, they need to have this type of space. And while it could be driven by other profit or other means, it's always been driven by we're here to serve a mission of helping people and making their health journey easier. And as long as we are able to do that and do that as a nonprofit and provide value, we are striving to our mission. So that is the biggest difference between us and really any other um, service that's out there because every other service, is out there um, usually selling the data and almost always selling some type of banner ad space or click-through space. And how sort of user-friendly are you, and do you find what, what really is your demographic? Do you find you have more younger people who are coming to you, or is there a mix of ages? Well, they do now with the stupid cancer skin. That's right. That's right. Uh, it's been fairly across the board. It's actually been... Um, 35 to 54-year-old women, um, and I think women are the great communicators, and maybe they're, they tend to begin to be that communication hub, but it has expanded beyond that quite a bit, and it has been starting to get more into the younger demographics um, as they go, but it's not definitely not just young people. Um, we have a lot of very um, older demographic adopters that are visitors, um, and a lot of times we get great messages from people that says this is the first time they've used the Internet because they've been too scared of it. So we work very hard to make it very easy to use because we know there's an Aunt Betty out there that needs to visit their nephew Nick, and uh, we need to make it easy for them. What um, types of technical challenges have you quite possibly met with with the emergence of social media and all these new platforms in the last five to seven years? Um, is is your site pretty much what it was, you know, from day one, or has it adapted and, and adopted the user experience? Well, the the core of what we do is the same, but we have definitely adapted. We can, we have 
we spend a lot of time on the user experience. And as these other platforms and other social networks have exploded, um, awareness is number one for us. And we actually do have integration with Facebook um, at the author's you know, permission. So they can do a Facebook Connect. If they want to, they can post a, a notification on their Facebook wall. But again, it's all under the author's control. Uh, we have really kept up with the explosion of mobile. Um, everybody's off the desktop. People's computers are in their hands, in their pockets. Um, we have, like I mentioned before, we, we have really focused in on the mobile experience, which is always a much more personal experience anyway. So people actually share more through their mobile devices and are more personal through their mobile devices. So we have continued to stay in front of that. Now, now, just to go back to Nick real quick, we have an author. Uh, Rita is an author. Nick, it says you're working on a, a project. Is this going to be a book? Yes, that's the plan. So, uh, obviously, the inspiration is, you know, young adult cancer and many faces. Um, what do you see this project looking like when it's uh, when it's all finished? Well, there's something that um, just recently started within the last couple of months between uh, me and my friend Alexandria, who I actually met at the OMG Summit. Um, nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, we're we're just looking for it to be, you know, when I go, when I was first diagnosed, I was trying to find information. I don't ha have a, whole, I didn't originally have a lot of computer access. I was trying to find books on other young adults that were going through cancer, and I really wasn't able to find a whole lot in regards to personal stories or a culmination of different stories and tips and tricks as to what to do. Um, I know a few books have come out recently, like from Planet Cancer and things like that. But um, Alex and I were definitely thinking of trying to interview a few people and get stories from other young adults, you know, their experiences with cancer, um, how it's changed them, you know, what type of problems they had prior, during, and after treatment, you know, what type of health conditions they have now because they were treated for cancer that they originally never had. Um, so, okay, they may be in remission and may be considered cancer-free, but what other health issues do they now have to go through in battle because they had to go through cancer treatment? Um, and, you know, just the emotional aspect as well as to how to handle it. Um, and we wanted different tips and tricks as to how to deal with things like chemo brain or nausea or surgery scars or um, radiation, you know, different tricks like that as to um, how other people had dealt with it and what they think may help you know, these other young adults that are going through the same thing, how to explain things to family, you know, when you're dating, if you're single, you know, just how to deal with things like that. So I have a, I have a question for you. It actually came up. Somebody actually just pasted um, on my Facebook page where we were promoting uh, tonight's show, a, a friend of ours, Susan Miller, who oh, has sure. been, a, been, yeah. been a guest on our show. She's a producer and breast cancer survivor. And she actually writes of Caring Bridge, this was a very meaningful site for my cousin Leslie who died of cancer last year. It was a wonderful way for everyone to communicate. Um, that uh, which is a lovely, a lovely comment. It brings up, though, when somebody does a pass away, what can you, what do you do with their site? Is it something that the family can then keep and sort of archive and hang on to if they want to sort of always see that correspondence? Yes, people can keep the Caring Bridge site for as long as they want. We also have uh, something we call the Caring Book, where many times people will create an actual book uh, that will be almost a keepsake. But we find that people keep their site um, for many reasons. One, uh, if it is an end-of-life situation, it, it becomes 
a, a memorial, and people visit it from time to time. They'll leave messages, especially on the anniversary of um, perhaps when they passed away. Or if it's a survivor, they'll celebrate their five years of survivorship, uh, things like that. So the Carefridge sites tend to live on uh, past the intense experience. And it's one of the great things that, you know, they can have the Carefridge site for as long as they want. And Nick mentioned earlier that we have um, a co-authoring ability. That's something that's unique also to CaringBridge, where you can share authorship duties. And, uh, you know, if someone does pass away, it's easy to transfer that authorship to someone else uh, so that, you know, it's not just digital death out there and no one can get to this account. So that is something that we take care of very well. Right. So in other words, if you're not feeling up to writing on the page yourself, you can sign over authorship to a sister or a parent or somebody to update folks for right. you. Right. And it, it's they're both active at the same time. You don't have to, like, it's not like a big sign-over or anything like that. You can have up to, I think, four co-authors that can help you throughout this whole journey. And we find that that tends to happen quite a bit. It might be a, a mother or a sister or, you know, the patient themselves. But it is interactive in the sense that people leave comments, as you were saying before, and you can you can have that kind of dialogue with your friends and loved ones on the page. Yes, it's it's not quite like a Facebook wall, but it, it has a journal which keeps the, the journal all together, and that's, to me, important because it's the health journey that's happening. And then there's a guest book message area where people can leave messages. So what else would you like to, how else would you like to grow CaringBridge going forward? Yeah, well, 43 is, million is not enough. <laughs> it, it's not. I mean, it is, uh, unfortunately, it's still just a drop in the bucket, Um it was fantastic to hear that Nick found out from his doctor. That is something we do a lot of proactive outreach to the health community, to healthcare professionals. This is something we feel should be prescribed, should be part of every care plan. So it's heartwarming to find out that the, his doctor actually recommended it. We've talked to people in the past where when they went through an experience and we were telling them about CaringBridge, they started getting very upset and very angry that no one told them. Um, so that is still how much we grow is through grassroots. It's a great to be on the show to, to let people know about CaringBridge. It's a free, easy-to-use service. People should let others that are going through some type of health journey know about CaringBridge because it's a very simple, free thing that people can give each other. Uh, you can even go to CaringBridge and actually create a site for someone else and send it to them, and they can easily publish it so they don't even have to go through the easy steps of creating it. But we are very focused on continuing to increase awareness and reach more families that are in this health journey that could be helped by Caring Bridge. But we are also seeing just the wonderful ability to amplify caring in the world. And why that sounds kind of, um, you know, world peace-ish, um, there is just a wonderful ability that, uh, just like you probably saw at your summit, when you bring people together, there is this amplification of love, hope, and compassion that is important to bring to any health journey. Now, you guys do exhibit, though. I've seen you having booths, like, all over the place. Do you try to tell doctors more than nurses, or, or who do you see as your target, besides, obviously, the users who are your true energy in the, uh, the right. engine that drives the grassroots? Do you try to, I mean, are you evidence-based or do you do surveys or how do you get yourselves into like maybe a CME or into university centers? Uh, do you yep. have a standard by, by which that this 
the entire medical institution's clinical uh, sort of sector would know you exist? A couple things. We do do very proactive outreach to healthcare professionals, and we do target primarily nurses, social workers, chaplains, um, you know, child life specialists, as well as doctors. But it is more of those people that maybe spend a little more time with the families, and as well. We do not have a medical study that we have, like a double-blind clinical study around Caring Bridge yet. We've talked about it. We have done our own internal surveys that really lend a lot of credibility, as well as just the other research that has been done around um, people with more um, social connections are actually healthier in life. Some of our own findings show that more than 80% of people that have used Caring Bridge believe that it has helped them in their healing process. And over 90% believes it's a positive experience for everybody involved, the visitors, the caregivers, the patients. And so there's lots of evidence within our own communities that show that there's significant positive impact when people use Caring Bridge. And where do you get most of your funding, Sona? All of our funding. Mm-hmm. 92% of our funding is from individual donors. So people that have used Caring Bridge and see the value um, will turn around and provide charitable contributions that keeps Caring Bridge alive for the next person. Has there been any other challenge to fundraising, you know, beyond folks? I mean, I'm assuming you try to go for folks who don't necessarily, you know, haven't used the site or um, cast a wider net. What's What's been the, the biggest challenge to that? The biggest challenge to, like, going after foundations or, or larger kind of um, grants is, the Caring Bridge is uh, kind of a unique service. It fits in, you know, it's, it's, it, while it's within health, it's not a, a true health service that people can, you know, it's not doing research for a cure. It's right. not a, it's in technology, but it's not quite in technology. It's not for one condition. It's for a broad range of conditions. So that's the biggest challenge around, like, larger grants. But, frankly, we have had, since we have broad reach, and it is such a valuable service. The model of using individual donations have been very solid and very strong. It continues to help us do more outreach and help more families. And I think the level of impact and value we bring um, allows us to be funded through individual contributions. I mean, I think you just hit it home with me personally, at least, and with this organization where if it's not about research, no one seems to care. And the idea of, like, psychosocial support or quality of life or comfort um, it's not something that the system is sort of geared towards supporting. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I mean, a lot of people want to have that very tangible line item. And um, so that's, and especially foundations and grants, they have that written into, we don't give money unless you can do X. So, yes, I do think that happens quite a bit. Although it is opening up, I mean, that more holistic approach is definitely, um, you know, family-focused care, patient-focused care. They are getting that it takes, you know, if nothing else, hospitals alone can see once someone starts using a Caring Bridge site, people stop calling the nurses to bother them because they understand what's going on. So it's it's starting to to take hold and really, within the health community, gain momentum. Nick, we'll close. We have getting close to where we have to wrap here, unfortunately, but we'll close with you. Is there something, one single moment or one comment or one, uh, just really one moment where you were using CaringBridge that you kind of realized, wow, this has really made it special and better 
for me as I'm going through my illnesses? Absolutely. Um, you know, I use the journal very frequently, and it allows me to be able to tell my story. Um, the one thing I really like in regards to the guest book is, like Sonia, like Sonia had said, it's not like a Facebook wall. So, you know, someone can leave a comment or a message of support. And there's really no expectation of my having to comment back on it or, you know, get more emotional over anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. there, was a, there was a comment um, that my mother had left. It was just a little poem that she had put on there. Um, and, you know, that, that changed the entire world for me because, um, you know, I don't, my family is very far away and I don't allow them up here during my treatment. I just don't want them to see me go through half the stuff that I've been through. And um, Caring Bridges definitely allowed them to be there with me, even if financially they can't make it or many other things. They're able to go through everything that I've gone through. They're able to understand what I'm going through. I don't have to go through the emotional conversation every single second with each individual person. You know, I can say it once and they'll know. And I think that's a, that's a great point. Not that's only the just, value. To, not only just to share the right, but but all the emotion that goes with it of right. having to tell people over and over again. Or Absolutely. that's a beautiful thing, right? Or to see responses from and not feel obligated that you have to say something back, but to just um, yeah, that's lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, that so way if people get much. annoying. You just say go go to my wall, <laughs> go to my character's face, leave me alone. <laughs> well, what it does happen when you tell someone the story and it's interactive, you many times the patient ends up consoling them and helping them through their grief. You know, that's the not only is the emotional energy for you to tell your story, but then they're reacting and you want them to feel better. So when when you feel obligated to do that, that's just additional emotional energy to be spent. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is great. It's a terrific service. Obviously, as I said, as we've been on the air here, people have written in to say that they know loved ones that have used it and how helpful it's been in their journey. So we thank you both so much for coming on, Sona, for uh, filling everybody in on it, and Nick telling your story. And Kathy and, for setting the whole thing up. And Kathy That's right. And, <laughs> thank you, Kathy. And, Nick, we wish you well on your on your journey. Thank you very much. Stupid Cancer Pittsburgh, dude. <laughs> Most definitely, Stupid Cancer Pittsburgh. <laughs> And Nick, this is Sana. Thank you for sharing your Caring Bridge story. It's those personal stories that really people resonate with, and that's why Caring Bridge has grown since day one. So thank you. Thank you for starting it. I can't tell you how much it's helped. Well, there you go. The magic happens right Absol- here. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Have a wonderful time, guys. Be good. Good luck with everything, and uh, take care. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, Lisa. Right. Sana Maring and Nick. Nick. How did you pronounce his last name with that great accent? Reboot something? <laughs> Nick Rivituso. There you go. I think Sona um, pronounced her name so- Did she say Sona? So- Sona? Kathy said saying- it was Sona, so I'm going to blame her. It looks like Sona with one N. Well, I mean, technically, like if you do phonics, which I'm really bad at apparently, it's S-O-H-N-A would be Sona. But right. S-O-N-A would be Sana. It would be but like then maybe you would o. think sauna would have two ends. Well, then it would be like S A U N A, like sauna. <laughs> I'm getting sauna like Donna. <laughs> yeah. Right. See, then Donna has two ends. Now, what would it be in your language? But sauna <laughs> has one end. Sauna. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Flem. I'm gonna just keep going with the chimichanga on a caribou. <laughs> well. Oh, 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 hang on. Oh, uh, Britta. Rita. 
Brita. She's not filtered water. Yes, she's not filtered water. Did you have? Do you have a Karen, Karen Bridge page? No, I don't. Right, because it was 24 years ago and there was no technology. <laughs> ding, right. ding, ding, ding. Exactly. That's right. What did you do back then? Did you write? Did you? How do you express yourself? Morse code. Carry your pigeon. Wasn't yeah. it 16 years ago? No, it was 20 years ago. Oh. 20. Yeah, 20 I'm years ago. Between your between your bar, bar mitzvah. mitzvah. <laughs> All right. Really, I just relied on on my friends. And because there wasn't, you know, the internet, right. didn't uh, exist. no, and and I didn't really journal, and I, you know, the nurses between the nurses, my friends, and that was my healing, especially at 16. It's just feeling that I could be okay and be with my friends on the weekend and not feel sick. Right. That was essentially what brought me the healing. Yes. Good. Well, I mean, but it's amazing that we have resources like these today. And it's not just some one-up, stupid internet website. This is purpose. This is meaning. This is well thought out. Three hundred thousand people—that's pretty impressive. Forty-three million visits. Yes. You can't argue with that. And they're global, beyond this country. Oh sure, yeah. I hear they're even in Canada and Mexico. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't have anything to play that sounds like Mexico. <laughs> Nothing up here. You don't have. What like, about Canada? What about like Cucaracha? Don't you have? <laughs> don't you have Blame Canada? I do have Blame Canada, actually. I knew you would. I gotta, I'm not going to find that and pull that up. Ah, whatever. Whatever. It's getting late, Matthew. It is getting late. We might have to wrap things up. I think we should wrap things up. Okay, this let's wrap things up. a good show. Up. All right, now it is time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, everybody, that is tonight's show, our 188th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. MD? Yes, we'd like to thank our in-studio guests, intern Kenny, intern Susie, real Kenny, and real James... And our live in-studio guests, Rita Aragon, Nick Ribuzzo, and Sana Mering from Caringbridge. Please join us next week, June 13th, when our show will be all about the Penn State Son. That is the largest alumni philanthropy program in the country. Who will be here? Kirsten Quisenberry. She's the PR chairperson for the Penn State Interfraternity Council. And Sean Shapiro, who is a young adult cancer advocate, and he's chairperson of the 2012 New York City Hope Gala, and he's also a member of the I'm Too Young for This New York City Planning Committee, and in our Survivor Spotlight, Dylan Moser, who's a childhood cancer survivor of leukemia. Okay, if you missed any of our past shows, download them all for free on iTunes at iTunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives of all of our shows over the last four years at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. Live from the chemo deck. On behalf of Lisa Bernhardt and Swollen Lymph Node, myself and our whole team here at Y, have a great week. Go to bed, Kathy!